Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast today and one that I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, we, uh, the, the guest and I today have been, we, we tried to find a time for a podcast about, I'd say a year ago or so, and we finally just kind of circled back around with each other. So uh, pretty excited about this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by, by Crossover Symmetry and armcare.com, which is a little bit of a coincidence maybe that um, we'll be talking about a lot of those same sorts of things with the guests today. We're lucky enough to be joined today by Dr. Kevin McGovern. Um, if, you, if you're if you on social media, he's got a great, uh, a great Twitter handle, which I really enjoy, and that's kind of how he and I first connected was just some commonalities um, that we kind of discovered through Twitter. But I'll give you a background on Coach McGovern before – Coach McGovern, on Kevin McGovern before we get into questions with him. I guess I'm used to having coaches on here, <laughs> but I'll give you a background on Dr. McGovern before we get into questions with him and start to talk about some things I think all of our subscribers are really going to enjoy uh, listening to. Dr. McGovern is a doctor of physical therapy. He's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He is the owner currently of Perfect Motion Sports Therapy in Acton, Massachusetts. Uh, I'll give you, and, and then going a little further back in his background, he received his bachelor's degree from Northeastern University with a degree in physical therapy. He got his doctorate in physical therapy from Simmons University. He also then in 2002 uh, became a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So he's he's been a, a CSCS for quite a while, has had that uh, certification for quite a while. In his past, he founded two other physical therapy practices, McGovern Physical Therapy, as well as Game 7 Physical Therapy. He is the inventor of of game, which is capital G period, capital A period, capital M, capital E. It stands for graded active movement exam. And game is a system of evaluation and corrective exercises for athletes. Something that uh, we might have to ask a little more about for anyone who's interested in, in hearing more about that. Uh, Dr. McGovern is also the creator and host of a podcast called Prove It Live, which is a really cool podcast. I've listened to several episodes of it, and I really have enjoyed uh, the time that I've listened to it. You can find the Prove It Live podcast on YouTube or on their website, proveitlive.com. Dr. McGovern is also the founder of Velocity RX, which is a, a pitching program that he's got some goals for in 2022 moving forward. He has worked with athletes uh, from all diff different sports, different levels in baseball. He's worked with athletes all the way up through the major league level. He's worked with USA Women's Hockey. He's worked with Olympic Judo competitors as well as athletes from the WWE. Dr. McGovern, I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I know it's been a, a little bit, you know, you definitely had a, talked a year or so ago about me coming on. So with everything that's happened, I'm glad you've uh, thought about me and invited me to come on today. I'm really excited about this one, honestly. I, as, as people know that listen to our podcasts, the majority of our guests are coaches. Uh, at the mostly at the college level, some at the pro level, but I do like to have specialists on from time to time that just know more than most of us. Uh, and, and with your with your background, Kevin, and uh, and all the things that you've done, you know, I come into this podcast thinking I, I'm going to learn a lot about about a lot of things, uh, primarily about throwing and, and, and arm health, but also just kind of want to let you lead this and lead the direction of it uh, to a point, but. Um, you know, coming into this, I'm thinking, 
you know, this is going to be a great, a great podcast for anybody that works with pitchers at any level in particular, but also probably, you know, all baseball coaches that whether they work with pitchers, position players or, or what have you. But to start with, usually I start with something from the bio that stands out, but actually for you, I want to start with something different, a little bit different. I'd like to give you a chance at first to talk about, um, maybe just bullet points with maybe not going in depth now, but, but bullet points of some things that, that you believe need to be addressed in youth baseball today. Some of the bigger issues, which is, you know, partly what I, what I read from you on Twitter, you know, it's, it's what a lot of your, um, your podcast episodes are about things that I think are controversial subjects, controversial topics in youth baseball today. And when we say youth baseball, we're talking, you know, little league through, through high school baseball, um, but but what are some of the things that you believe need to be addressed? Need to need to maybe change a little bit, or or are some of the bigger problems that we've got in baseball at those levels when it comes to the physical therapy side of things and, and what you're seeing, are, you know, it, are, are are issues in young athletes? Yeah, that's a, that's certainly a, a a loaded question. You know, just in in my practice alone, I mean, the amount of injuries. Are on a dramatic rise, and when we we speak about baseball players, especially pitchers. The injuries are really catastrophic. Meaning, you know, we're talking, you know, let's hit right at it. You know, we're talking, you know, Tommy John issues. I mean, these injuries are requiring, you know, they're not like little bumps and bruises that you might get uh, on the football field. I mean, people are coming in with, you know, torn fractured growth plates. You know torn omoclado ligaments, shoulder impingements. And for me, as, you know, a clinician, baseball coach, you know, kind of a movement guy, I think a lot of these can be pre- prevented, you know, and, and with the dawning of social media, now I don't know if there's a connection, um, but certainly we have seen a meteoric rise of injuries at the youth level, at the high school level, the college level, and at the pro level, it's off the chart. Um, ridiculous amounts of injuries. And, you know, I'm in the, the, the fixer up, and, but I'd rather prevent them from even, even happening. Um, and we can, we can spend hours as, as, to, as to why, but real quickly in a nutshell, I mean, these, the youth players today, I mean, I'll, um, just turned over the big five zero uh, in last February, so I'm almost going to be fifty one. You know, when I was a kid, we went outside and played. You know, and you don't see that. You don't see the movement. Kids are really the only time they're really moving is when they're essentially in an organized activity. Um, so kids aren't moving. I don't think they learn the basic movements that uh, you know I did as a kid. You know, and I mean, I just remember hours of emulating, you know, batting stances and emulating how pitchers pitch. And that really, I think, looking back on it, really taught me how to move. Because if you can emulate someone, you, you can get their movements out. I just, I don't see that enough. And, uh, you know, whether there's a connection there, I'm not sure. But, but certainly there's a lot of things that I see on social media um, for training that, that is cringeworthy for me. When when you talk about that, Kevin, you talk about the prevention of injuries, and and I want to talk about certainly about movements to and and just about what kids should be doing. I definitely want to come back to that, but I want to talk about just the prevention of injuries first. 
what what do you think are some of the most important things or some of the key things that were missing to prevent injuries in the first place? Like do kids need to say, for example, I told you before we started recording, I've got three kids, uh, seven year old, four year old and two year old and, and just say that they like sports. And, and, and as they get older, it, it becomes apparent that they're pretty good. They have a chance to you know be pretty good athletes, maybe play something in college. How do I prevent them from getting hurt? Like what what's the best way to do that? Like I'm a I'm a former baseball coach, but I'm not. I don't have the degrees that you do. Uh, you know, I, I know how to coach baseball, but I don't know. I, I don't know on the physical therapy side of things how to keep people healthy or how to get people healthy when they're hurt. What What do I need to do to keep my own kids healthy? Or you know, if I end up coaching a little league team when my boy is old enough to play little league, like what What do I need to do, or what do I need to encourage other parents to do? How do you prevent injuries that we're seeing so much of these days in baseball? Yeah. So for me, I, I always say that. I'm the, the parking garage physical therapist, meaning if we build a nice building, everyone likes to be in the penthouse and we like to do all these fancy type of exercises. But if we don't have a stable foundation or a parking garage, that building is coming down. So for me, I really have it down to three movements that anyone at any level has to master. And that is a proper coordinated squat. Uh, a movement called scapular depression and really quick, that is that your shoulder blades drop, like if we're on a seesaw, essentially when my arms go up in the air, my shoulder blades, by kinesiology, not Kevin McGovern, should drop down or turn down. That's called scapular depression. That is uh, missing uh, or completely backwards in, in most athletes. And the third and probably the most important principle is really to move from your center uh, or your belly button, especially in rotational movements, move what I call proximal to distal from your spine or from your from your nervous system out. And if you take those three simple movement laws, you can apply them to everything, and you will find that most injury, not all, there's never, in medicine, there's never all or none. Most injury is attributed to one, two, or all three of those basic movement principles being As the parent of young kids or as the coach of young kids, um, how do I learn about scapular depression or, or what I need to do to move from center? Because as you mentioned, there's um, whether it's related or not, I don't know, but social media has played a big part. Uh, I think it's played a part at least in, in the injuries in baseball today. And I only say that because there are, there are people that are um, quote unquote teaching through social media and some of it's great and some of it's n not nearly great. Um, but you see a lot of people that are just, that are, that are teaching something, whether it's right or wrong, they're teaching baseball movements, they're teaching mechanics, they're teaching whatever. Um, where are there any resources that, that families can visit to learn more about, uh, you know, a proper squat, I think is a lot easier to, to learn that. I think if you get, I would assume that most people with a, uh, CSCS certification, um, would be able to teach you how to do a proper squat, but what about a scapular depression and 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 moving from center proximal to distal? Is, is that stuff like can, can I can I Google that? Can I go to a physical therapist? Can I go to a, a a movement specialist? Which I think you you're kind of consider yourself a movement expert. Do I need to come to someone like you, or how do I learn how to do this stuff and apply it to baseball in order to stay healthy within the movements in in the game? Sure, I'm gonna. It's a great question. I'm gonna 
little and stick up for my profession. Um, the physical therapist, not just me, the physical therapist in general is the most highly trained movement people on the planet. Okay. You know, right now to go to be a physical therapist, you're in school for seven years, uh, plus clinical. That's a long time. So we're the most highly trained as, as far as I'm concerned about human movement, yet in the pyramid of training or uh, movement, we seem to be at the bottom of the totem pole. So people are only coming to visit a physical therapist when the injury has already happened, and that's too late. And when I do cancer clinics, I usually either start or leave people with this piece of advice. You trust the physical therapist to fix your body when you're off the field and injured, imagine what we could do for the healthy, right? So, you know, we've, we've been, the dentists have the corner on the marketing market for, for what I'm about to say, right? Everyone goes to the dentist twice a year and brushes their teeth hopefully twice a day because, you know, we're told from a very young age that, well, we only have one set of teeth. Well, we only have one body. And, um, I think people need to start using the physical therapist like the dentist to go once or twice a year to get a checkup. Um, a lot of that stuff is covered by insurance, um, but there's other concierge level physical therapists like myself that you can go and get, you know, from head to toe to get checked out, to be put on a proper exercise program with proper technique, okay, because the old adage you know, practice makes uh, perfect, that's wrong. Practice makes permanent. So if we practice something that's wrong, it's going to be wrong. Um, so, you know, there's no knock on personal trainers and, and no knock on other strength and conditioning coaches. But your physical therapist has a medical license, which means they have to take a board exam. You know, I had to take an exam to be a, a certified strength and conditioning coach. Um, but, you know, we carry malpractice insurance. We are a medical provider, and we should be at the top of the food chain um, rather than the bottom. So my advice to you would be to search out a physical therapist in your area to bring your children so they get checked out so that we look at preventing injury right off the bat. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of tests that the physical therapists can do to not only, you know, diagnose current injury, but really what's most important is to predict you know, future areas of possible injury and get the proper guidance and exercise to uh, correct those. Today's podcast is brought to you by Diamond Kinetics. No matter what season you're in, our friends at Diamond Kinetics are here to help you train smarter and get better so you can dominate on the field this season. DK's line of mobile-based motion technology products give players and coaches the ability to practice smarter, practice more effectively, and have more confidence in the batter's box and on the mound. DK's Pitch Tracker Smart Baseball and mobile app provides easy-to-understand data, metrics, and pitching analysis right at your fingertips. You'll immediately see velocity, spin rate, and spin direction on all of your pitches. And newly updated features such as auto-pitch detection plus newly added metrics such as spin efficiency and horizontal and vertical break help you get command and control over your entire arsenal of pitches. With Diamond Kinetics, you will train smarter and get better and have more confidence on the field this spring. I hope this this what next question comes off the right way, but on this podcast, um, Kevin, I, I like to kind of play the dumb parent who doesn't know very much but wants to know something, which is a pretty easy role for me to play 
That's very natural for me. Um, if I go to, if I live in a smaller, smallish town, um, and I go to a, just a, a physical therapist I find around, is there any reason for me not to trust that physical therapist? I mean, maybe you just already answered this, but I think that's one of the first questions that maybe pop into one of the first questions that'll pop into people's minds is, well, if I go to, for example, a strength and conditioning coach, that, that coach works with athletes all the time. A physical therapist is kind of going to work with everybody. Do I really trust my young athlete with a physical therapist? So I'm just going to ask that. And again, I hope I'm not trying to insult anybody. I just want, I just want you to have a chance to address that. I think there's maybe a concern for some people. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And I will say this, um, with all due respect to other, uh, my brothers and sisters in the physical therapy, uh, practice, all physical therapists are not the same. Okay. Just like all baseball coaches aren't the same, all firemen aren't the same, we're just not the same. So if I was, how I would seek out a physical therapist, first and foremost, I would look for someone who is in private practice, okay, someone who is in business for themselves. The reason for that is that they have got to produce results, okay, to get patients to continue to be referred to them and to continue to build their business. So that's that's number one. Uh, no knock on hospital-based therapists, but, you know, a hospital, you know, they don't own the hospital. They're, they're going to get patients coming to the hospital regardless. It's really the, the private practice uh, practitioner. And then there's enough of us now um, that are essentially fee-for-service or concierge level that you can look at, at you know, usually on someone's website, they will, they will uh, tell you that, and they will also tell you that what they specialize in. Um, there's a lot of us now specializing in golf, um, baseball. I mean, I, I, that's kind of essentially what I specialize in, but there are providers out there. You just have to take a little bit to uh, research them and, hey, pick up the phone and call them. Ask them what their philosophy is. Spend five minutes and, and have them. And if you don't feel comfortable, go to the next one until you feel as a parent comfortable that, you know what, that this person uh, you know, knows what they're talking about and they should be like, you know, telling success stories and look at Google reviews, see what people are writing. And one of the things for Google, I will say, if you see someone put five stars and put, you know, Jeff was great. Kevin was great. Now you want someone who will take the time and write a paragraph and write their story. And when you see a bunch of those, that's probably someone who you want to seek out to help. In baseball, being that uh, I would have to say the majority of baseball injuries are arm-related, um, elbow, shoulder, do I need to go see a physical therapist or take my kids to see a physical therapist that specializes in overhand athletes, baseball, volleyball, softball, even you know football quarterbacks, th- just, just physical therapists that have a lot of experience with athletes that throw overhand, which is an unnatural movement. Is that something I need, I, I should look into with their back on or, or even ask questions like, have you, do you have a lot of experience in that, uh, in that regard? Or do you think that just a, a physical therapist that, that might specialize in golf, like a golf, you know, the movement in a golf swing is, is very similar to a baseball swing, I would assume from your perspective, but do I need to find someone who has experience with overhand throwing athletes? 1000%. You know, like I said, all physical therapists are not the same. All have different, you know, we're really getting niches and really specialization now. It's kind of, you know, doctors, orthopedic surgeons are doing the same thing. You know, you 
25 years ago, you went to the, the you know, the orthopedic surgeon in town, you did your knee, your shoulder, your back. Now everyone's getting highly specialized. And same thing with physical therapists. Um, yeah, so I would seek out someone who has a lot of experience um, with overhand throwing athletes, um, ask them their philosophy, get them to show you results, um, you know, that of different case studies or different, or different clients that, that they have and really talk about, um, you know, their, their philosophy on, on how to treat overhand throwing athletes for sure. But I will tell you this, and it's, it's funny in this kind of how our podcast, uh, came about baseball seems to have an inverse results proportion meaning there are a lot of people on social media who toot their own horn who you know claim that they have ever treated whomever you know um athletes and those people are out of the sport you know what i mean so the results that you want to look for are people that for instance are still playing so living in new england area i don't know what tom brady's trainer mr guerrero i think his name is um what he does specifically, but I know except for someone rolling into the back of Tom Brady's left knee, I believe, like 10 or 15 years ago, that guy's played in the NFL for 20 years, completely injury-free. That guy should be put on a pedestal, yet he's scorned, even in New England, as being a witch doctor. So it just seems that baseball's got a lot of negative results for training that seem to get glorified, which I don't, I don't understand. When you say that, you mean what exactly? I, I don't want to even put words in your mouth. Yeah, what, so, what do you mean specifically? Well, just, when you yeah, say so that? just I mean just look at just look at numbers. So Tommy John, the actual Tommy John, was operated, I believe, in 1974, right? This kind of weird surgery um, that they're going to try out on him, and I believe he came back, missed a year, and I think through 250 some odd innings in 1976, so I think he missed 75, okay? Now that same surgery and rehab process is over two years, right? So, and now we look at just throwing guy, let's just talk outfielders, right? So in my era, just naming, naming outfielders on the East Coast, Jim Rice, Jesse Barfield, Dave Winfield, uh, Dwight Evans, all of those guys, Dave Parker, Willie Stargell, could take the ball from their outfield position and throw it the home plate on the fly like it was nothing, right? But now, allegedly, sports medicine and training is supposed to be better. But I'll, you know, I'll give you 30 seconds. And besides, like, you know, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton, to name me 10 guys that can throw the home plate on the fly in 2021. So to me, that's an that's a, that's a inverse result that somehow with the training, the results got worse because really with everything going on now, that number should be 50 players, 75 players, but you'll be lucky if it's one guy in a team or one guy in the division. So that's kind of what I mean about an inverse result. And that's kind of where I was going to go next, actually, with something you've already touched on, the meteoric rise in injuries, particularly arm injuries from Little League through Major League Baseball. And this is a question I've asked before, and I want to ask you again, Kevin, because I'm just if I'm just being honest, and, and maybe I'll get ridiculed for this, but I just don't 
what I hear with my ears and, and read with my eyes doesn't doesn't match up with what I see in in games. It's kind of like you you just mentioned the inverse results. And one of those one of the inverse results is is on the pitching side of things and the incredible incredible number of injuries. So you're a Massachusetts guy, probably I'm, a, I'm assuming maybe a Red Sox fan. I'm a Pirates fan. Tough to be a Pirates fan, but even as tough as it is to be a Pirates fan, generally speaking. It is just amazing to me how many pitchers they go through in a year because guys flat out cannot stay healthy. And that's the same for every team and every sport. So I guess um, I, I do want to get into the major league side of things and maybe see if you have some things to say about it. But let's just start at the lowest level, like little league through high school. Are the growing number of injuries, is it because – kids are playing too much and they're overuse injuries? Is it because they're just flat out throwing too many innings and, and X number of innings on a young arm is is undoubtedly going to cause an injury? Is it because kids are throwing harder and just, you know, the arm wasn't meant to throw overhand, so just by throwing harder does that cause more injuries? Is it because of throwing harder with bad mechanics? Like you just kind of started this podcast with. Can you, can you point to at least the younger kids – why there is such an increase in injuries? Do you have, do you have any? Have you? Do we? Ha, do we have an answer to that question? Yeah, I don't think there's one answer, but I will. I will say, and we can maybe get into this. That I don't think that overhand throwing is unnatural. If it was, then our arm wouldn't move in that direction. Um, but we can. So I just go to another sport, right? So let's take baseball out of the equation, and let's go to another similar sport that has, no matter what people are going to challenge me on this it's the same movement and that is the sport of tennis okay so the sport of tennis in a week in a week's worth of tennis tournaments if a guy goes from uh whatever they start at to the finals probably i don't know serves overhand a thousand times he doesn't need four days of rest he doesn't need you know a, a day off in between matches four days off or anything like that and guess what I don't know if one tennis player, maybe there's probably one, that has torn their ulnar collateral ligament where I can name like 25 guys just this year off the top of my head with the, with the same movement except for one principle. When the tennis racket is accelerated with full force, it is going with gravity or downhill because if it wasn't, the ball would be hit out of Wimbledon or out of Flushing Meadows and down the street, right? So when the most force is placed through the tennis ball, that racket is going downhill. And that right there is the biggest issue right now. Um, these guys are throwing against gravity, and Sir Isaac Newton will win every single time. I'm watching these guys, you know, you could, people could be a long toss promoter. Or I'm not. I think that when you change, first of all, the, the arm is designed to work eccentrically. So what that means is eccentric means we're decelerating, okay? So the arm doesn't, like, come out of its socket and hit the guy in the front row. So we're taking a baseball and trying to throw it 400 feet to build arm strength. That's not where arm strength comes from, okay? We can talk with Bruce Lee about where power comes from in the short motion to get power, which would be our core. So if we're looking at starting to throw the baseball from center field, meaning my arm is stretched, way back there to throw, we're going to get hurt. And what I can tell you is that if 
we look at every Tommy John injury, you'll see the M, the W, the T, the ball well behind me if we're talking the Red Sox. I mean, Chris Hill's torso is finished and his arm is still like at the second baseman. The torque on that arm and elbow, it just can't handle it. Whereas the tennis player, his whole body is coming through. So if he's serving, both his right arm and right leg are coming through the zone. And that is the biggest thing that I teach is that arm and back leg have to be married. And if they're not, injury is not if, it's a matter of when. Holy cow, this is going to be a three-hour podcast after all. Okay, so with what you just said, that's like the opposite. And, I, and I'll let me just say this again. It's the opposite of what everybody teaches. It's the opposite of what everybody says. And, and I'm no specialist. And obviously, right, obviously I've said something incorrect several times. That I've just, you know, I've, I've heard other people that are smarter than me say that the overhand throwing motion is an unnatural motion. That's why we have so many injuries. But you're saying that's not even necessarily the case. But with what you just said, Kevin, that's – the opposite of what you hear, you hear constantly about hip-shoulder separation, hip-shoulder separation, how important that is to pitching, but you're telling me that that is a really big part of guys getting hurt. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? A thousand I mean, percent. So, yeah, so we, and I'm gonna, it is hip-to-shoulder separation. I'm going I'm to teach you it's a little bit different in timing. So, you know, we have now in, in the PGA Tour, we've got 160-pound golfers hitting the ball 350 yards like it's nothing. Why? Because they've got unbelievable hip-to-shoulder separation, meaning their belly button or their torso is finished and their hands are still behind them. But the one difference is they have something in their hand that's delivering the force to the golf ball, which would be the golf club, the tennis racket, the baseball bat. When you're a pitcher, there's nothing else in your hand to deliver the force, and your elbow is hanging out there in peril. You can have hip-shoulder separation, and you should, right? But the movement of the arm and the back leg has to come through at the same time downhill. If you finish your torso and you leave your arm back there and have that kind of separation, the only thing to bring it through the zone are the small muscles, which is of our forearm and our flexor tendon, and it's going to lose out. I mean, if you watch a martial artist break a block of wood, right, does he, you know, turn his torso and leave his arm well behind him? No. He brings it all through the zone at the same time because that's how the body generates the most power. It's When I first, when I teach lessons, the first thing I do when I, to correct somebody is I, is, is I just, I don't say anything. I said, listen, I want you to envision a folding table. And this is back to my WWE days, all right? <laughs> so we have this folding table. And when you throw the ball, as soon as you let go of the ball, I want you to have enough force to smash that folding table in half, right? Because if you're throwing a baseball with the most force behind it, that should be nothing. You should be able to go through a cut, a smash a brick in half. And you'll see there's, their, their mechanics change instantly because they will not leave their back leg back, which I call the Nancy Kerrigan, like we're, we're, we're somehow figure skating, right? We've got this huge leg that's hanging back there. You will see them plant their plant foot, turn on a dime, turn their belly button, and that arm and back leg come through just like, remember if I went back to, just like walking, here I come, and smash, throw downhill, because the arm should be accelerated last in the kinematic sequence. 
right through that table. And no one, as far as I know, is ever going to hurt their arm using it with gravity. It's when it's against gravity. And that term hip to shoulder separation is responsible for all these injuries because the sequence of it is wrong. They have, yes, you want your torso to, to turn as tight and, and as quick as you can, but when the sequence comes out to the arm, the leg has to come with it. If you leave the leg back there, you're, you're, the hourglass has started on your pitching career. And I know that we're not doing this with any visuals, Kevin, which maybe we should for this part, but you're talking about when you're talking about leaving that back leg back there, like a pitcher's a pitcher's back leg is kind of gonna come up in the air when they when they finish, right? Like the heel kind of comes up and points to the points to the sky. That you're talking that. Like the hip back hip, the back leg should be released as the arm is coming through, as opposed to like dragging on the ground or, or kind of staying connected to the dirt. That's that, correct. Okay. Because the body works like this, right? The body works like a merry-go-round, right? We need a stable pillar to rotate around, okay? So if we're a right-handed pitcher, we're loading our, our, our right leg, right? So there's, there's our load. As our left leg comes down, now we're transferring power to our left leg. So that now becomes the stable post of the merry-go-round. So everything needs to rotate around it. And if we leave that back leg down, it's kind of like I kind of use the analogy. We're trying to take off in a boat that's still tied to the dock. So I would like to have that back leg, rather than hanging up in the air, to be, as we finished, even or just ahead of that plant leg in a fielding position. And basically what that movement is, is walking. All I have done was plant it, and I have turned my belly button and my my back leg came with it as if I'm walking through a door and my arm goes last downhill. And I will, and I will tell you this, uh, I certainly didn't play baseball at a high level, um, you know, high school and played in a, uh, you know, pretty competitive men's league for a while, but I pitched till I was 43. Uh, but the last 20 years of pitching, I pitched without an ulnar collateral ligament. I tore mine in half making that throw that we make all the time from first to third base in a in a in an infield drill and tore it completely in 1997, and that's how I really kind of found a way to pitch without pain. And uh, for those people who have played men's league, they know that when you go out to an over 30 tournament in Vegas and you only have four pitchers, yeah, you might be throwing 13 innings in a day. <laughs> so, uh, but you have to learn to throw with gravity downhill. That seems like it would be impossible to throw without a UCL. I mean, how's that even possible? Well, it's just, <laughs> you just have to, well, I mean, you don't need it. I mean, the only, the only reason you strain your UCL is because you're leaving it hanging back there, you know, and, and ligaments for people know they're either at their perfect length or they're useless. So, you know, they say like, oh, he's got a partially torn ACL. No, it's useless as far as it's, it might be partially torn, but now the body's using another stability sequence to keep the knee healthy same thing with the with you know he's got a strain of his flexor tendon or a partially torn ucl it's either at its perfect length or it's or it's not helping oh boy there's uh this is i know it's a lot to unpack i'm sorry no this is great there's a lot to unpack (laughs) this is just going to be like one of one of four podcasts we're going to have to record so we can just get to all this stuff i've 
get pushback. People are going to disagree. But And then I, I just go back to this. If you disagree, that's fine. Show me what you what you're disagreeing about and stop the injuries, right? Because right now, the training is a negative result. I mean, I don't know how. I think we in one podcast, we totaled up how much money was on the disabled list in just pitchers this year. And I think it got close to a billion, meaning what their contracts. So, I mean, just look at me, just look at, you know, you have, you know, Sale, Syndergaard, uh, Severino, uh, just, and that's just, that's just, you know, three teams in East Coast that are out. You know, it's, so what's happening out there isn't working, period. I, I want to just ask, there, again, there's so many, I, I've, with what you've talked about so far, I have 10 notes written down here that I could ask you any one of these things, but I just kind of want to stick with the most recent. So recently on Twitter, um, and I bring up Twitter a lot in these podcasts only because people will comment and just be so sure of things. But the other, uh, recently I was having a conversation on Twitter with someone that I actually brought you into it and kind of regretted doing it afterward because you just you don't have time for that kind of stuff where, where I just, you know, I, I don't mind kind of going – uh, having a conversation with somebody, but, but one of the things that was brought up during this conversation, this person I was talking to about, we were talking about arm injuries and, uh, we were disagreeing with one another and he showed me a study done by like four doctors that said throughout the course of a major league season, the UCL ligament got stronger, um, which, a ligament. Uh, first of all, with any study, so just just so we know, with any study, numbers can be manipulated all over the place. So I would have to see that study. But you know, how do they measure it? Got stronger? Was there some sort of tensile machine that that measured the UCL that it got stronger? Because that just even hearing that, I would be like. Yeah, I don't know how you're measuring that it got that it got stronger. And that's why I ask you because you just said if if your UCL if you're any ligament if it's not at its perfect length it's useless to you. And um, well, not to me. I mean, just, that's just the body, right? So right. the body. I mean, don't forget we're talking like millisecond movements, right? So if that UCL isn't at its perfect length, it's going to your forearm muscles to hold stability of your of your elbow. If that ACL isn't at its perfect length, it's using your hamstring and glute to place that knee. That's just that's not Kevin McGovern fact. That's just kinesiology. And this study essentially said that as this as the UCL is stressed, it becomes stronger. And and that was, I mean it was a very what I read must have been, uh, and the, the person linked the study, and it must have been just a summary because it was just a couple paragraphs. It wasn't long. I'm sure that there was a much longer study somewhere attached to it, which I just don't have time to read. But I read the short summary, and it was like, okay, I'm reading this, but I just, I just can't believe this. I'm not a, I don't have a degree to to, to back yeah, this up, but I just can't believe so, it. You know, it really goes back to at the end of the day, it's about results. And right now we have injuries on every level and a meteoric rise. We have a case example of 1970 Tommy John coming back pitching until he was close to 50 after being out a year. Now that same surgery, almost 50 years later, is taking almost three times the amount of time to come back. 
with alleged better, not alleged, there is better surgery techniques, better surgical instruments, better technology. And in my opinion, it's because we have bigger, stronger, faster athletes still on the same poor mechanics, which is throwing into gravity first before we go with gravity. Leaving that arm hanging back there, leaving it exposed, and that's why that one change needs to be done, in my opinion, or these injuries are going to continue to rise at every single level. Um, I'm going to continue to ask you some dumb questions. Just Again, it's kind of my specialty on these podcasts. Uh, from what I understand, from what I and I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but from what I'm, I, you read on social media, but also just what, what I think are some of the better pitching coaches in the game and, like, what they're teaching, that's where velocity, it, it, com- it comes from the good hip-shoulder separation. It comes from the arm kind of coming last in the, in the sequence. Uh, and and I, I don't know if I'm even, even going to phrase this correctly, but if, if a guy... If someone pitches kind of how you would prefer them to pitch, instead of the arm coming last like a like like a whip or like a catapult or whatever, instead of the arm coming last, if if the arm and back leg sort of come through together like a walking motion or or like like you kind of said, can someone are they going to be able to throw as hard as they would with the mechanics now? Because because kind of what I've what I've seen read heard is that. Yeah, a lot of pitchers are getting hurt, but it's because they're throwing harder and, and there's there's more stress on the arm. And basically, if I did it differently, guys wouldn't throw as hard. So do you want to throw really hard and, and get a chance to get drafted and get to the big leagues and probably get hurt at some point? Or you can throw with different mechanics and not throw nearly as hard and never get a chance to play pro ball. What what do you think of that narrative, Kevin? Is Can, can guys throw as hard with what you would consider good mechanics, like tennis-type mechanics? Or is the velocity kind of coming from these bad mechanics because it just allows the body to work in a way that produces this velocity, even though it's also going to produce an injury at some point? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think that it is certainly uh, the you know the, the mechanics of the whip and that huge separation where the arm is left exposed and has to whip through the zone. Um, it would be, you know, I can't say definitively if it's going to increase or decrease velocity, um, but it's certainly going to increase pitchers' life. I mean, we are certainly, obviously, the velocity number is like the gold, the gold standard. Even though, you know, uh, Greg Maddox is whatever he's got, three hundred and forty wins will never be broken. Um, you, you know, these guys are blowing out in, in two years and three years, and, and that's it. I mean, I think it's just – it's really kind of the next guy up type of thing. Um, but, I mean, guys threw hard – you know, guys have been throwing hard for a long time. You know, I know someone recently told me, like, you know, the radar guns were different back then. It was, you know, uh, at home plate. Now it's right out of the hand. So, you know, that's why velocity – you know, the measurement's different. But – you know, I, I can't definitively say um, about the velocity number, but I will say this. If you can't hit a fastball, as far as I know, you can't play in the major leagues. And the guys with the most success rate are guys who can mix in pitches. And I don't believe there's ever been, besides, you know, I don't know how many perfect games have been thrown without with guys throwing 101 miles an hour. 
but to me, it's you still got to mix the ball around the plate. But right now, velocity is like you know both exit below, I guess, and pitching velocity is the hot topic. Um, but you know, to kind of, I, I, I mean, that's my answer. That I don't, I don't really know. And um, you know, from my standpoint, something's got to give at some point. Um, you know, because it's it, it're killing arms. It's just it's insane. Well, that's why I asked you, because it doesn't seem like anybody is really concerned about pitchers' health. The only thing that people are concerned about is velocity. Essentially, for for young players out there that are looking to add velocity, kind of like you said at the very beginning, and they're not going to physical therapists to say, how can my body move better? They're going to somebody who you know, likely doesn't have a degree, but just has maybe a track record of hey, my buddy went to you last year and he gained six miles an hour, so I want to come to you and gain six miles an hour. What can you do for me? Like this, that, and that's all they all they care about because and they, it's not, right, and it's not a good place for the game to be, but velocity gets you college scholarships. Velocity gets you oh, yeah. on the radar yeah, for, for pro teams. And it's like, like you said, it's like it's like next man up. I, it doesn't, I don't really care if you get hurt. I'm just going to have a whole team of guys that – that throw really hard and, and will hope to keep you healthy long enough to get something out of you as opposed to the other way. So I, I just, I thought that was a question. It was important to ask because I, I wish that the focus was more on health than it is velocity, but it's, it's certainly not. It's certainly on velocity first and, and kind of like, we'll take our chances on getting hurt. Uh, because if, you know, if I'm a college pitcher and I'm 86, 88, super healthy for four years and have really good secondary stuff, I'm not going to play pro ball anyway. So I might as well I might as well try to throw ninety four and ninety five and and see if I can get a chance to keep playing and hey if I get if I blow out my arm at least I gave it a shot and I don't I don't know that that's the right place to be for the sport right now. No, but I mean that's exactly where it is. But you know during the playoffs this year I heard something that I literally cringed and I don't know I'm terrible with names but it was Tampa Bay. The announcers were saying that Tampa Bay brought somebody up who had been a starter but sent him back down and came up as a reliever. And literally just said, just throw it as hard as you can because you're no longer a starter. Knowing that, you're just telling the guy that, yeah, you, you got, you know, 450 pitches left in your arm and, and that's it. And then we look at the college, you know, what was the guy from, was it, uh, Vanderbilt Kumar? Was that his last name? Yeah. Right? I mean, he, Kumar Rocker. Yeah. He's been, yeah, Kumar Rocker, right? So he's, he already needs Tommy Johnson. He's already hurt. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, I had one, I actually had an argument with, like, this physical therapist It was funny about Chris Sales, and I was like, you would actually teach Chris Sales mechanics? And he's like, well, it got into the majors, and he's got, you know, $80 million, and I can't argue with that. Yeah, he's got $80 million. He never has to worry about another thing in his life, but I look at, you know, I mean, how many people make it to the major? What's that percentage? I mean, I just looked at the percentage of kids that played in the Little League World Series that play high school baseball, that percentage is so low. Like I was, I was floored. I forgot what the number was, but I was like, oh my god, you know, you know. I'm just at the, I'm, you know, my calling in life is to is to help people and help people stay healthy. And yeah, I mean, I guess your '97 is going to get you, you know, twenty five million dollars a year. But I look at how many kids trying to get there no longer play baseball or needed surgery trying to get there. And that's just, I just don't, that just makes me sick to my stomach. But yeah, I mean, velocity is where the dough is. I can't argue with that. 
Yes, it's a weird dichotomy in the sport right now. And um, I want to talk to you, Kevin, if we have a couple minutes left. And maybe this takes the podcast, uh, maybe this makes the podcast really long, longer than maybe you want it to be. But I want to talk to you about long toss. You've mentioned long toss already and that you're not really a proponent of that. But from I'm just going to go back to kind of what I what I read and hear in the industry is that is that long toss is is uh, better for your arm than than weighted balls. It can produce, you know, similar type results, similar type velocity gains. Um, but it's maybe, maybe safer than weighted balls, but, but you're not really, you're not an advocate of long toss. Can you, do you mind talking about that and just why exactly you feel that way? Because that's another thing that is sort of the, is sort of contrary to what I think the industry believes overall. Sure. I'll, I'll kind of throw in a a third, another category in here. So we Olympic lifting, right? I am such a proponent of Olympic lifting, like, but with Olympic lifting, your movements have to be so precise not to be hurt, right? So we talk about long toss. It has its place, but when I see a kid, you know, bring the ball from his right ankle up, you know, through South America to throw, making this huge, long, lengthening movement, killing his mechanics, that's not helping. So I use something what I would call I like to call skip toss, if we're thinking about an artificial turf field, where someone is throwing on plane, okay, not changing the mechanics as far as they can, or literally even throwing it with, like, that the force is down with every third of torso movement down, and there's, like, one hop or five hops to to their partner. But to throw a big parabola up in the air, it's not – I think it's damaging arms, and – the results bear those out because, again, we go back to the results. Injuries are off the charts. Outfielders can barely make the cutoff, man. And they're throwing long toss every single day. So something's not working. And the way that balls, again, uh, I mean, most pe- most pitchers don't even have scapular control to put, you know, these five-pound balls in someone you're just asking for, you're asking for problems. I'm going to bring up another study that I saw recently and just get your thoughts on it. And this is where I kind of brought you in on Twitter the other day. And I know you didn't see the study and probably didn't, you didn't read it. Uh, and that's, that's fine. But I just want to ask you, generally speaking, I, I read a study done by doctors that said the heavier the ball in, in weighted ball throwing, the less stress on the UCL. In this study that they showed, the, uh, and, and they went all the way up to like 32 ounce balls or, or something, 35 ounce balls, something like that. Uh, the five ounce ball was shown in this particular study to have the least amount of stress on the elbow, which which just seems absolutely contrary to to anything that any sort of common sense that makes sense to me. And again, I, I'm not asking you to, to to necessarily speak to that study, but weighted balls I, I think are something that. Um, Almost every high school program in the country is using, I would say, nearly if not every college program in the country is using weighted balls. And I just, to me, there's a lot of things that people um, are are either ignoring or they don't they don't know, or maybe we just as an industry don't really know yet. But can I get your thought on weighted balls and the idea, generally speaking, that throwing weighted balls actually puts less stress on your arm? And if that's true, how that's true, and if you have a contrary thought, I'd love to hear it as well. 
I actually probably think that it's true, right? So if we throw a basketball, right, the length of the full court, you're not getting much stress on your on your elbow, right? Because your body is adapting to the size and the weight of the ball, okay? So we talk about throwing something seven, eight, ten ounces, you're getting that that lag behind in your arm, right? Because your body's like, oh, I can just whip this. Whereas if I'm holding something that's five pounds, like a shot put, your body instinctively knows I, I can't leave my arm back here. I'll snap it off and, and it gets more of the body into it. So I could see in some sort of study where that actually might might be true for sure. But one of the things I talk about with any kind of exercise is what is the purpose of doing it? Okay, and where the movement comes from. So if we're talking about weighted balls, again, that's breaking the law of kinesiology of proximal to distal. We need proximal strength and coordination to get distal power, strength, whatever. So it's working opposite. If it's as a head, you know, the, the power is coming from the torso from the glutes, from the back extensors, from the chest. So putting, it's not coming from the arm. Those are the small muscles, okay? Like, you know, I just go back to the, the sport of golf. You know, these golfers did not get uh, hitting the ball 350 yards by swinging a weighted club, right? They got strong because their, their core got strong to be able to turn it faster, quicker, with more power, which delivered as it went down the kinetic chain to the golf club, to the golf ball. And that's where power comes from. And I mean, that's that's not my opinion, that's where it comes from, but when you're arm focused, you're just, I just, you're just asking for problems. You really are. And again, the results bear that out because injuries are on a, a crazy ride, meteoric ride. If injuries are going down, then someone would have an argument. But right now, something needs to change, and it needs to change fast. So I've heard before that weighted balls, part of the reason to throw weighted balls is that especially with the heavier balls, like ones that are significantly heavier than a baseball, and that maybe this matches up with what you just said, that um, you sort of your body will sort of naturally adapt to that heavier object, and you'll have better mechanics just because your body is going to adapt because, like you said, you – your body knows if I throw in the same motion I normally throw with, my arm's going to snap off. Like throwing a basketball the length of the court or or like throwing, you know, a, a ball that's four or five pounds or whatever it may be. Do you – so for that reason, if, if weighted balls are – do you think that weighted balls can have that sort of effect? Um, do, do you buy into that? I've read that. Do you buy into that, that if, if you use weighted balls properly, that it can actually teach your body better mechanics, which is one of the things that I think you're after – you know, just at the, at the core of what you do as a physical therapist, better mechanics. Better mechanics will help a lot of, will, will prevent a lot of injuries. Do you think that weighted balls can be uh, something that advocates that? I, I think maybe like on a scale of one to 10, like 10, you know, we have to get the body to understand how it moves to get the basics of movement down. I mean, I have never, in my 27 years of practice, I have never treated an overhand throwing athlete that has proper scapular depression coordination. So that's the basic movement of my shoulder. Remember, the shoulder is connected to a bone that's swimming in your back, right? So that bone, that scapula is not fine-tuned. Nothing else after that is going to be correct. So 
like, can you throw a heavy ball with perfect mechanics that will help you? Yes, but that would be what I would call doctoral level human movement, right? Just like doing a 350 pound deadlift. Are deadlifts great for strength? Absolutely. But one false move and you're in trouble. And I just think that we really need to focus at the parking garage first, get all our human movements down correct before we worry about what the penthouse looks like. Because again, we can have the nicest penthouse in the world. If our foundation is bad, the building's coming down. I I mean, that sounds like kind of a caveman type of answer, but that's it's really in the basics of human movement and these kids and adolescents and pro guys don't have the basics of human movement. They just don't. Or the, or the injuries would be less. So one last, I'm going to finish up with this question. If I'm a pitching coach, Kevin, at any level, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 25-year-olds, do I need to have the same degree that you do to be a good pitching coach? Or can I just learn some basic things from someone like you and have a chance to be a good pitching coach? And, and, and to define good pitching coach, I would just say to to keep our to, if I'm going to keep our guys healthy, if I'm going to keep kids, guys, however you want to term it, healthy. Do I need to have the degree that you do, or can I learn some basic things? Those three basic things you talked about at the beginning, uh, how to do a proper squat, uh, scapular depression, and and moving from your center proximal to distal. Can can I just if I talk to someone like you who has the degree and master those things, can I be good at at that skill, keeping players healthy, keeping them moving properly? Um, do I need to have your degree to be good at this? To be to be a good pitching coach who keeps guys healthy, Kevin? Or do I, can I just can I can I talk to people like you and and know what I need to know? Absolutely, you do not need my my degree at all. Um, but you do need an understanding of human movement. I've taught, uh, man, I've taught probably fifteen or twenty like pitching coaches, how, you know, how to move, how the body moves. Um, because, you know, we can be a, a bad hitting coach, right? And the result will be your guy goes over 37. We can be a bad infield coach and the guy makes 10 errors. If we're a bad pitching coach, someone gets hurt, right? So, and just because you rode a bus from Jacksonville to, to North Carolina in the Carolina League, and he played doesn't make you a pitching coach. I think you need to have a more than basic understanding of human movement, and you need to have a more than better understanding of what movements cause injury. But can you learn them? Absolutely, a thousand percent. You can. People can be taught anything. Um, like I'm not sure my curveball grip is the best, <laughs> but <laughs> but when I teach someone how to move. I'm teaching them in a way that keeps them first and foremost without any is keep them is keep them healthy because that's what my job is. This has been great. I'm when it comes time for this podcast to come out, I'm going to promote this podcast as something that I think every anybody that's involved in youth sports, youth baseball, whether they're a parent or, or a coach or whatever, needs to listen to. And at the very least, hopefully this points people in the right direction as to what their next steps need to be. I'm not kidding in that I say that uh, as someone with 
you know, eight years of college coaching experience and a, and a pretty good amount of success on the, although be, you know, albeit on the hitting side and the recruiting side of things, if my little, my little boy ends up deciding to play baseball and he's good at it and likes it, I, I honestly, before this call would not have been scheduling an appointment yearly with a physical therapist just for him to go to and sort of uh, get evaluated and, and get some, some exercise programs and things like that. But I'm going to now, uh, I, I mean, that's something that I've, you know, you're, I've recorded like 160 of these things and, and I have my background in, in baseball that I do, but I, that's not something that would have been in my radar before this, this podcast. So if nothing else, hopefully people that listen to this got some things like that out of the podcast and, and have a better idea of how to move forward with their either as, as a coach or as a parent, or even if an athlete's listening to this, you know, just what the next steps are to stay healthy because, um, you know, throwing pain free and, and having a career, however long that career lasts through high school, college, pro ball, whatever, where you're healthy, like you're going to be an anomaly if that's who you are and your, your life is going to be so much more enjoyable if you don't have to go through Tommy John and that whole, uh, the whole recovery process. So, uh, Kevin, this has been a really, a really great podcast for me. And hopefully it's not the last time you're here. This is Dr. Kevin McGovern, everybody who is, um, as a doctor of physical therapy and and certainly has given us a ton of great information uh i can't say thank you enough for uh for all that you've talked about and and given us here and 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 just thank you for your time and i there were times obviously in this podcast i didn't i wasn't even sure what direction to turn because there were so many things we brought up but hopefully other people learn as much as i did in this podcast yeah well thanks for having me and one one quick thing before i go you had mentioned uh, in my bio, my Velocity RX program. So I am diligently working on an online course at, at different levels, one for the parent and player, one for the coach, and one for the medical professional of how to teach proper corrective exercise, evaluate them using my game test, because anyone can be taught how to do this. I've done this um, to be able to get that out to, to be hopefully – at least try to be one of the solutions to this to this epidemic of arm injuries. Uh, this uh, it's a resource I think people should definitely check out. So Kevin, thank you again for being here, and hopefully we can have you back. <laughs>